Well, we've had a fun morning with uh, some of our video stuff, and uh, it's great when it works, and not so great when it doesn't. So it's okay. Hey, uh, look around the room, and uh, notice this in first service. Uh, it's growing, isn't it? More people here, and that's a pretty exciting thing to be part of. I got to tell you, in our uh, first service today, this room uh, was uh, well completely full would be an exaggeration, but it was largely full. Uh, for our first service. So it was really exciting to see uh, you inviting your friends to come and be our guest and to see a growing number of people who are discovering that Crosspoint is a pretty cool place and it's a great community of people. So thank you for what you're doing. Keep inviting your guests and it's going to be really exciting to uh, see how God works over these next uh, several weeks as we move back into the fall. Well, we're going to continue our series of talking about parental guidance today. I heard about this uh, Russian comedian who has written a book called uh, Seeing America on Six uh, Rubles. And he uh, talks in this book about going to an American supermarket. And he'd never seen anything like it. Just the size of the store to begin with was overwhelming to him. And uh, then the number of items that you could select from and the kinds of things were just amazing to him. And he went up one aisle and he noticed this uh, thing called powdered milk. And he read and realized, that's amazing. You just add water and you get milk. And uh, he continued down a little farther and he found uh, powdered orange juice. And he thought, that's just incredible. You just add water and you get orange juice. And he went around the corner a couple of aisles and saw another thing called baby powder. And he thought, what a country! Now, we all know, don't we, that uh, the process of having a child is usually a little bit easier than the process of trying to raise them, isn't it? And so we have uh, jumped into this series called Parental Guidance, and we're offering some parental guidance for some of the common issues that we wrestle with as parents. I was thinking the other day about some of the stages of things that happen as you have more than one child, and I came across this. Let me share a few of these with you this morning. Um, a mother's wardrobe changes as she has a different number of children. Uh, when the first baby comes along, you begin wearing maternity clothes as soon as your doctor confirms your pregnancy. The second baby, you wear your regular clothes as long as possible. By the third baby, your maternity clothes are your regular clothes. By the way, I'm just reading, okay? A mom preparing for birth. On the first baby, you practice your breathing religiously. By the second baby, you don't bother practicing because you remember that the last time the breathing didn't do a thing. By the third baby, you ask for an epidural in the eighth month. First baby, when it comes to uh, changing diapers, you change your, diaper, your baby's diapers every hour whether they need it or not. On the second baby, you change their diaper every two to three hours if needed. By the third baby, you try to change their diaper before others start to complain about the smell or see it sagging to their knees. One more, going out. On the first baby, the first time that you leave your baby with a sitter, you call home at least five times. The second baby, just before you walk out the door, you remember to leave a number where you might be reached. The third baby... You leave instructions for the sitter to call only if she sees blood. Now, there's some truth there, isn't there? Things do change. But you know what doesn't change? What doesn't change, no matter how many children we have, is our desire about what our children will become. What we will see them grow up to do and be. Last week we looked at Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6, that says this, 
Teach your children to choose the right path. And when they are older, they will remain on it. That is our desire as parents, isn't it? To help our children choose the right path. Now last week we began by talking about how to understand what some have called the IY generation, the current generation of kids. And we talked about how they think, how they grow physically, how they feel and relate to our world. And we realize as parents that sometimes we probably almost feel like we're living in a different world from them at times. Well, today I want to kind of turn the page and talk about this whole idea of how do we get our children to choose the right path so that when they're older, they will remain on it. To do that, I want to go to a section of the Bible that is probably the most often quoted section of the Bible out of any. Now, immediately you probably say, well, Jeff, are you going to look at John 3.16 or are you going to look at John 11.35, which says Jesus wept? Now, actually, I'm going to take you to a few verses in the Old Testament called the Shema. And if you were an Orthodox Jewish believer, this passage of Scripture would be recited in your home every morning and every evening. And Orthodox Jewish people, when they would go to worship in the temple on the Sabbath, they would stand and quote this together. That's what makes it the most often quoted Scripture in the Bible. It's probably the first Scripture that Jesus would have ever learned. And so I want to take you to there today because this passage is foundational to their belief. But it also is foundational to understanding how it is that we as parents can help our children to choose the right path. Now, to help you understand maybe just the tradition of what the Jews would do when they read the Scripture and really out of the kind of reverence that we ought to always have for God's Word, I want to ask you to stand as we read this together this morning. It's found in Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning in verse 4, if you want to look it up in your Bible. I want you to actually read aloud with me the first couple of verses, and then I'll finish reading the rest of it myself. Okay, so read this with me. Here we go. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Then let me read the rest of it. It says, These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts, Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. You can be seated. The Shema offers us some insights about how it is that we can get our children to choose the right path. And the first step on that path is to teach our children complete loyalty to God. Now, do you remember, though, last week we talked about this IY generation and we said they, they view life often as a cafeteria. They think that when it comes to just about everything, they can pick and choose and create their own version. We talked last week about their view of music. You know, when it comes to music, they don't go out and buy an album anymore. They go to iTunes and they take a a little bit of this style of music and a little bit of this style of music and something from this artist and they put it all together on their iPod and they listen to what they have created. I was thinking about uh, school cafeterias and how things have changed from when I was in high school, which I'd like to think wasn't all that long ago, but the reality is it was a long time ago now. And I was thinking when I was in high school and I went to the cafeteria for lunch, The only choice that I had was whether I wanted vanilla or chocolate milk. Anybody remember those days? You know, there was no other choice. Whatever they were serving that day, that's what you got. 
But if you go to a cafeteria in a high school around here today, in varying degrees, the kids have choices. Now, they'll tell you they don't like any of the choices all that well, but they have choices. And even in the school cafeteria, they can create their own version of lunch. When it comes to religion, they see religion as a cafeteria. And, for instance, they will take maybe a little bit of biblical Christianity and they'll take a little bit of another religion and they'll take some beliefs and practices of another religion and they'll put it all together to create their own version of beliefs and practices. But according to Deuteronomy 6, God is not a cafeteria God. God desires that we would love Him completely and that we would follow Him only. He demands in the Bible that we would follow Him and serve Him exactly the way that the Bible describes. He is not a cafeteria God where we can pick and choose our beliefs and put our own version of Him together. He wants us to have complete loyalty. So parents, that means for us, we need to help teach and model for our children a biblical worldview. Now, a worldview is simply a framework through which we view reality. It's the way that we see the world and life. I guess you could say it this way. It is the lens through which you view life. I brought along some different kinds of lenses today in the form of glasses. I have here a pair of sunglasses. And if I put these on this morning, it doesn't really help me to see very well. It just makes everything dark in here. It makes some of you disappear. That's not all bad. No, just kidding. I brought along some uh, reading glasses. When I put these on this morning, I hate to admit, but they actually make some of my notes here very readable. But when I look through them at the audience, I can't see a thing. I brought along my uh, wife's prescription glasses. And if I were to put these on this morning, I think they'd probably just make me feel sick because they blur everything. They're totally not effective for me. I brought along my glasses, my prescription glasses. And if I didn't have my contacts in this morning... If I were to put these on, I would be able to see everything as it should be. I would be able to see everything clearly. There's only one set of lenses here that causes me to be able to see clearly. And there is only one set of lenses that will allow us and our children to see life the way that it ought to be, to see what is really real, to see real truth according to God. And that is the lens of God. It is when we view our world, our life, through the lens of God that we find truth. Because God, in His book, the Bible, gives us truth. The only source of truth. And so parents, it's important that we help our children discover and live out a Bible view. A biblical worldview of life. Do you know when they um, teach people to identify counterfeit bills? Do you know how they do that? I think I've mentioned this before. They don't give them a bunch of counterfeit bills and have them study them. They give them the real thing, an authentic bill, and they say, study this thoroughly. And they study it and study it and study it until they get to the point that if they were given something that isn't real, they can immediately identify that that's not right, that that's not authentic. We need to help our children discover the truth and to so thoroughly recognize the truth that when someone tries to hand them something that is a substitute, they can immediately identify that's not the truth. So how do we do that? How do we live this out? Well, the Shema gives us some answers. In fact, if you look then 
In verse 6 it says this, These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Now parents, Moses is writing this and he's writing it to us as parents. And do you catch there that he says, These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts? Here's the principle. And I know this is a bit personal. And this is a bit hurts a bit because it is hits close to home. But here's the reality of what Moses says. It has to be in you before it can get into them. It has to get into us before it can ever get into our children. I can't give away what I don't have. And so if I don't know Jesus myself, how will my children know Him? Now, recognize a couple of things. We're not talking about perfection here. We're not talking about living a perfect life as parents. None of us live up to that. We're not talking about some kind of legal, follow-all-the-rules kind of life. We wouldn't live up to that. The intention here is not to make us think, oh, I've made all these mistakes in the past, and because I've made all of these mistakes, maybe like me, as recently as yesterday, that, oh, because I've made these mistakes, I won't be able to point my children to the right path. No, it doesn't mean that. But it is a reality that I need to be more like Jesus today than I was yesterday. And if I will keep striving forward on that path of becoming more and more like Jesus every day, I will be able to point my children to the right path. It's got to be in me before it will be in them. There's a movie, it's a fairly old movie called Flywheel. It's uh, produced by the same people that produced Facing the Giants and Fireproof, if you've seen those. This is an older movie, and uh, it's the story of a used car salesman. And this used car salesman fits, unfortunately, the stereotype that sometimes we wrongly place on used car salesmen, some of them, that he's just very dishonest. He really takes advantage of people, doesn't tell the truth, doesn't have integrity at home in his relationships. And he's got a young son who watches his dad in all these different environments. And one day... His son and his friend are in the living room. They're playing a game. They're watching television. And if our video works here, I want you to watch and listen to the conversation and what this little boy has to say about his dad. Let's give it a try. got to be in you before it can get into them. 
Here's the next thing that happens in this. Notice in the first, first part of verse 7. Moses says, impress them on your children. And notice he doesn't say, impress them on your neighbor's children. Or leave it up to your neighbors to impress it on your children. No, he says, impress them upon your children. Spiritual mentoring is up to you. The spiritual mentoring of your children is your responsibility. Teaching your children to choose the right path. To have a view of the world through God's lens is our responsibility as parents. But the reality is that in our culture today, there are a lot of dry cleaner parents. Now, here's what I mean by that. What happens when you have dry cleanable clothes and they get dirty, messed up? What do you do? Well, you pack them up, you go down to the dry cleaners, you drop them off, you say, hey, my clothes are dirty, they're messed up, you clean them, would you press them? I'll be back on Friday to pick it up. And sometimes that's how we've acted as parents. When our children's lives have gotten dirty and a little bit messed up, we want to take them to some professional or to some group and say to them, here, my kid's all messed up. You, you fix them. You get their life straightened out. You clean them up and I'll be back to pick them up. Sometimes that's been our view of the church. I'll drop my dirty, messed up kids off and you fix them in an hour and I'll be back again. But the reality is the Bible teaches that the role of spiritually mentoring our children belongs to us as parents. Now certainly here at Crosspoint and other churches that teach the Bible, we want to come alongside you in that journey. We want to support you and help you in that process. But ultimately, parents, the role of spiritually mentoring our children is our responsibility. There's a huge tree farm in Canada, nursery for trees. And it has a sign towards the entrance that says the best time to plant a tree is 25 years ago. But then below that, it also says this, the second best time is today. And parents, honestly, as we talked this morning, maybe you're thinking, yeah, you're right, I should be spiritually mentoring my children. I should have been doing it all along and I've dropped the ball. I just want to tell you that's okay. Because the best time to start spiritually mentoring your children is today. Don't worry about what you have or haven't done in the past. Just pick up the ball today and start running down the field of mentoring your children and pointing them to the right path and to God. Here's the next thing that I notice in verse 7. The second part of it says, Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Moses indicates here that a quantity of quality time is required. Now, the big debate of our times as parents has often been, which is more important, quantity time or quality time? And we, you know, people have gone back and forth about which one better than the other. Moses seems to say it's not either or. It's both. He says a quantity of quality time is necessary if we're going to point our children to the right path. Now, I know our lives are busy. I know my life is very busy. And oftentimes it is a struggle to find a quantity of quality time to invest in my children. Do you know that a hundred years ago, a child's, out of a child's waking hours, 54% of a child's waking hours were spent with their parents? Today, 18% of a child's waking hours are spent with their parents. Our struggle with all of this, the issue is not 
prioritizing our schedule. The issue is scheduling our priorities. The issue is getting into our calendars the things that really matter, the things that are really important. And you know what, parents? It's not just our calendars these days. It's the calendars of our children too. Adults are not the only ones who are too busy. And in both of our calendars, we need to make a determined effort that we are going to schedule in the priorities. That we are going to put in our schedules time for what really matters, for what's really important. And that is spending a quantity of quality time with our children so that we can help them to choose the right path. So let me suggest some optimal times that maybe you already have in your schedule that you could begin to really invest in your children. But whether it's these times or another time, we have to find a quantity of quality times for us to be with our kids to model and teach a biblical worldview to them. One of these optimal times that I would suggest is a meal time. Now, I know in our family, as our boys have gotten older, it has become more and more of a struggle to sit down to dinner every night together. But I would encourage you, parents, that even if it's just a few nights out of the week, that you guard those times and at mealtimes, on those evenings, you sit down as a family. Not to sit down and see how quickly can we eat and get out the door, but that you'd sit down at the table to have conversation with each other. And that parents, you would be intentional about guiding that conversation. That you would talk about the day's events in your life and the day's events in your children's life and you would help them to work through, filtering through God's lens, how they ought to see those events. How they ought to react to those events. What was the right attitude to have about those things? But it has to be intentional conversation on your part. Another time that I think really um, is important is drive time or travel time. Um, time when you're in the car. But you know what happens in a lot of our cars? We spend all of that time in the car with the radio blaring or videos going on in the back seat with all kinds of technology. And I'm not saying all the time, but occasionally, parents, we ought to turn all that stuff off and have a conversation with our kids. Again, helping them to, to filter through things that they are experiencing. Helping them to see life through the lens of God. I, I know for uh, Peg and I, I used to sort of always demand that I would be the one, before the boys were driving, to go pick them up from their athletic practices. Because, very selfishly, I knew that was a time when the conversation would flow. They would talk openly about a lot of things that they had experienced and I got to keep up on what was going on in their life. And it was a good time to try to help them to see all of those things they had experienced from God's perspective. Another important time is bedtime. And I'll tell you this, I will very honestly confess to you today that this is an area where I have really dropped the ball as my boys have gotten older. Uh, we've gotten to the point now where when it's bedtime... You know, it's, they go off to bed. Actually, what happens this summer is uh, Peg and I go off to bed and they stay up and watch TV. We're just getting old. Parents, I want to encourage you, don't drop the ball like I have. Take advantage of that time. Spend a few minutes with each of your kids. Model for them ending the day in prayer. Teaching them as they hear you learn how to pray to God. And use it to, again, talk about what's going on in their day. Sometimes it will be a stall tactic for them, but often they will be very open to having conversation with you. So let them stall a few minutes. Take advantage of those moments and have that conversation. Another optimal time is morning time. 
Now, I know what mornings are like at our house. Uh, they're often very frantic. A lot of, you know, kind of screaming of, did you get that? And let's get out the door. Hey, everybody got in the car. We're going to be late. That kind of stuff. But parents, I'd encourage you, why not take some of that morning time and just grab a minute of it and huddle everybody together before everybody heads out the door and pray together. Model for your kids that it's important to start the day by recognizing God in their lives. Another key thing about morning parents is that first you in your own life need to model for them the importance of spending a few minutes before you head off reading your Bible, just a few verses maybe, and then spending a couple minutes talking to God. And then you know what? Teach them how to do it. Just think, parents, you know what? A lot of us in our lives have struggled with developing that habit, haven't we? Think of the difference that maybe could be made in our kids' lives if we would help them to learn it while they are young so that it just becomes a part of their routine to get up every morning and to read from the Bible and to talk to God and to start their day acknowledging that they want to see life from His perspective. I think there are some other important times that come along occasionally in our lives. I think that uh, another important time are holidays. Those days when kids are out of school and we're off of work. But you know what we do a lot of those days? And I'm guilty of this. We've got that list of 25 things on this one day that we've got to get done around the home And a lot of times we probably ought to set aside that stuff and do something very intentional with our kids. Go somewhere. Explore somewhere. And as you do, help them to see the glory and the creativity of God in whatever you're experiencing. Another important time could be family fun times. Some some nights or afternoons or days that you plan to just go and do something as a family. But be intentional about what you do and intentional about your conversation. Another thing that I have grown to really value and I think it's important as your kids get older are vacation times. Because it's the one time, for our family at least, where we largely disconnect from all of the stuff and all of the noise in our lives. And as our boys have gotten older, I think that's become even more important for us to have those times once or twice a year where we get out of town, we disconnect from things, and it's just our family and some really good communication happens then which we can take advantage of, parents, to again, point them towards the truth and point them towards seeing the world through God's eyes. There's one more thing I want you to to notice here in verse 8. It says this, Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. You, You know what he's talking about here? He's talking about, in their case, they actually had these boxes that they would fasten to their bodies in different places that actually contained verses from the Bible. But in our context, it's the idea of what's worth remembering is worth repeating. What's worth remembering is worth repeating. It's the idea that in a lot of different and variety of contexts, we need to keep pointing our kids to the truth. You know what, as parents, as adults, we're pretty forgetful, aren't we? And we have to be told things a lot of times or we have to hear things multiple times before we really begin to retain them. And even once we have retained them, we have to be reminded occasionally, don't we? Our kids aren't any different. If it's worth remembering, parents, it's worth repeating. And they need to be exposed to the truth over and over and over and over again so that it really sinks deeply into their hearts and and so that they can uh, retain it. You know what, our, our, we said last week, this generation of kids are exposed 
to more information. They have more information available to them than any previous generation. And they are literally bombarded every day with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of messages from their peers, their teachers, from the Internet, from TV. And do we really think that having them sit down with somebody one time a week for a little bit of time and be taught the Bible is going to be enough to combat all of those messages that they're getting every day? No. If it's worth remembering, it's worth repeating, parents. And we have got to expose them to the truth of God's Word over and over and over and over again if we hope for them to have the ammunition to combat all of those other messages that they'll be getting. Again, Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6 says, Teach your children to choose the right path. Do you catch that? It says, parents, we have to teach them to choose the right path. It doesn't just happen. But once we have taught them to choose the right path and they have chosen the right path, then it says, and when they are older, they will remain upon it. I want my boys to choose the right path. But that begins every day with me choosing and working to be more like Jesus today than I was yesterday. Well, in the movie Flywheel, the story continues and this used car salesman, Jay Austin, decides somewhere along the way he comes to the realization that he has been living his life for the wrong person. He determines that he is going to begin to live his life for Jesus. That he's going to operate his business the way Jesus wants him to. He's going to be the kind of husband that Jesus wants him to be. He's going to be the kind of dad that Jesus wants him to be. He's going to have the integrity that Jesus wants him to have. And because of that decision, as he begins to live it out, it transforms his life. And his son is deeply impacted by that transformation. And he writes a an essay one day about his dad. And I want you to listen to what this boy says about his dad now. God, would you help us to be more and more like Jesus every day? And Father, as we become more like Him, would you help us to teach our children to choose the right path? In Jesus' name we pray.